Uh, sin is a, like a church word. It's a, it's a Bible word. And a lot of times people think sin is this idea of doing a bad thing or like breaking a rule, not doing what God wants, disobeying. And that's true. But sin is also when you take anything that's good and you put it above God. So anytime you take something that's good and you elevate it, you celebrate it above God, that's sin. That's falling short of God's original design because we're created to make God number one in our lives. That's like what, what God wanted for us. He wanted us to rule over this place, but make God number one over top of us. And so anytime we celebrate with pageantry or even, even you know, covertly, we celebrate or lift something up over God, that's a sinful thing to do. And so that is why, even if you're watching online, you're here in the room, that is why it is so critical to worship God, just to, just to worship Him, just to take time to elevate His name, to make noise about God, because we spend a lot of time making noise about other things in our life, and that can slip into this sinful pattern of worshiping the wrong thing. And so when we come in here, we have this amazing room, we have this amazing band, we have this amazing sound system, and it gets me excited. I, I get excited. I know that's like very like, like maybe pastory, preachery, but like genuinely like, does it not excite you that we have these drums right here? And they're connected to the 11 subwoofers underneath this floor. And we get to hear Chris kick the drum, kick it hard. Oh! And like, do you understand that like that's an opportunity for us to make God number one? No, this isn't like something that is like modern church. A lot of people think this is like, oh, modern church. The last Psalm of the Bible, uh, the, the book of Psalms, 150 Psalms in the Bible, it says this, this is crazy. Probably written 3,000, 4,000 years ago. Praise the Lord. Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty heavens. Praise Him for His acts of power. Praise Him for His surpassing greatness. Praise Him with the sounding of the trumpet. Praise Him with the harp and the lyre. Praise Him with timbrel and dancing. Praise Him with the strings and the pipe. Praise Him with the clash of cymbals. Praise Him with resounding drums. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. So we use all of this to elevate Him. So with that, just because it's fun and I literally like get so excited. Like, isn't it so fun we get to come in? There's like such powerful sound. I'm spitting out my egg breakfast on you, my friend, with the drums. I just want you to kick it, Chris. I didn't talk to him about this. I want you to like just play a funky beat for a second and make some noise and you guys follow him. Come on, go, 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 kick it. Oh, oh, oh. Doesn't that just feel amazing? Praise him with the drum, with the drum. That is there it is. Kick it one more time. Big, 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 big,
That was good. I don't know. We can't miss the opportunity. We all financed this thing for five years. And that was one of the reasons. So we could praise him with the drums, man. All right, so I have a couple announcements. Exciting, fun times at 514 Church as the earth is being tilled and we're starting to move and make some decisions and, and chart our course forward to be able to use this place and all of our resources to minister to the community. Uh, we're going to have a movie night this Wednesday night at 8 o'clock. This Wednesday, um, we had our championship. We had our bracket of movies. The movie March Madness, if you will, where there was like, a, you know, kind of a, a playoff that took place. And Aladdin, the new version, won. Aladdin won. So, I mean, if people don't like that, that's your own fault. We're a democracy for the people, by the people. Aladdin, the live, the live version is going to be played. So the fun begins at 8. There's going to be popcorn and some games and stuff. Movie begins at 9. It's going to be out in the parking lot. We're going to broadcast it out on the side of the building or something. I don't know. Bring a chair. It's going to be really fun. Bring blankets. Hang out with us there. And then... Uh, Labor Day weekend, we're not going to have live gatherings. So for everyone watching online, you're going to be where you are and all the rest of you are going to be where they are because we're going to still watch online, but we're not going to gather that weekend. We're not going to have our two live gatherings, but we will be broadcasting um, a worship experience all day long that, that Sunday, the Sunday of Labor Day weekend, 9, 11, 1, 3, and 5. So you can engage us that way. And um, it's been said, John Maxwell said this, he's a leadership guru. He said that when the winds change, the pessimist, um, the pessimist, he, uh, he gets afraid. The pessimist gets afraid. The optimist waits for him to change. The optimist hopes that they'll change. But the leader adjusts the sails. The leader adjusts the sails. And so over the past year, I mean, we have a serious change in wind in the world that we live in, a serious change of just the environment, just the way things are gonna work. And everything about what we plan to do when we open this building has changed. None of our plans. We spent as a leadership team like months putting together a plan for when we open the building, how we do groups and grow and kids. And we haven't been able to do any of that. And we've had to step back and instead of just kind of being afraid or instead of just kind of waiting for it to all pan out for us, we've had to say, no, we're gonna adjust the sales. And so we are going to communicate next week at church our strategy moving forward at 514 Church, how we're going to continue to move the mission forward. Because we're not supposed to stop being the church because of everything has happened. We are the church. The church has to stay on mission. The goal does not change. We lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ and we do it by any means necessary. And so that means that we've had to adjust the sales. We've had to make some changes and we have some new plans, specifically five different things that I'm gonna share with you that take us into 2022, a strategic plan, if you will, that we're gonna lay out for you guys next Sunday. So you don't want to miss that. We're going to unpack these things. We're going to unpack a little bit of the why. I cannot wait to share with you some of the things we're doing. Just, uh, it literally is just kind of, it's bubbling up inside of me. I'm so excited. 
There's plans in there for when we're gonna start to open children's ministry, for what we're gonna do in 2021. And honestly, there's a plan in there for 2022 that I think is going to really, really excite you. And so um, be here next week, watch online so you can see where we're going. Let's go. Mission needs to continue. Let's go. Let's move this thing forward. Let's stay and be the church that Jesus called together. And with that, I want to look at a passage because today we're doing this series called Let's Talk and it's about small groups. And in this passage that we're going to look at, Jesus actually talks about how he's going to build his gathering, his church, his people. And the church is not a building. The church is a movement. It's, it's a group of people rallying around a central, central belief that Jesus is, is God, Messiah, King. And that's what Jesus wanted to build, a bunch of people that believe that and, and live that out and carry that forward. But in this passage that we're going to look at, it pertains to this let's talk conversation because it's a fascinating piece of scripture that you've heard many times, probably if you grew up in the church, where what's going on is Jesus is walking with his disciples, whom he's known for at least a year or so. He spent time with them. They've traveled around. And he takes them on a walk to a place called Caesarea Philippi, which there's a lot going on there and why he goes there. But at a baseline, where he's taken them is two uh, days walk away from Galilee. So what he does is he takes them two days away from where they're kind of known and where everybody knows about them and, and where, uh, where they're comfortable with. He takes them away and when he takes them, he asks them a critical question. And they have this very important conversation that is a conversation that transcends um, the moment that they're in. And even now, it's, it's huge. It has everything to do with why we gather, who Jesus is, what the church is. It is it's a massive, massive piece of scripture. But I want to look at it as we talk about small groups today, because the exciting thing is you don't have to hear all from me today. We're going to have four of our small group leaders out here in a minute. And we're going to talk to them. You're going to hear from them about small group community and why we do what we do and why you should be involved in a group if you're not and how it's critical. But this passage is something that, you know, as you, as you spend time in it, will absolutely move you and change your life. And so it's going to come up on the screen. I'm going to read through it and give you a couple more things. We're going to bring these guys out. So this is on the way to Caesarea Philippi and they're two days away and they have this conversation. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the son of man is? Who do people say the son of man is? Now, for those of us reading this now, we know that Jesus is God and that he's the son of God and he's the son of man. And so we think he's asking a trick question, but there's more going on here. The son of man in the context was someone that the people during that time believed that God actually adopted into his world as the leader representative of the people on earth. So like Caesar was called the son of God, the son of man, because people believed not that he was God, but that God had appointed him to lead earth. And so Jesus is asking, do you think that that's me? Do you think that I am appointed to lead us on this planet to take us to whatever it is God has for us. They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked, 
Who do you say that I am? And then he says, Simon answered, you are the Messiah. You are the son of the living God. Now again, he doesn't say there, I believe you're God. He says, I believe you're the son of God. I believe that you are here to do this thing on behalf of God. And that is part of the truth. He is there to do this thing on behalf of God, but he is also God and he doesn't fully understand that Jesus being all God means that what it looks like for God to be on earth is different than what he thinks it looks like for the son of God to be on earth. So then Jesus said, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter and on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. On the confession of Christ, I'm gonna build a gathering of people that believe that Jesus is the son of God. And then they go and they have a further conversation. They walk on, they have this interaction and Jesus starts to tell his disciples that he actually is going to go into the hands of the authorities in Jerusalem and he's going to die. He's going to be crucified and die. Now think about the context. He just confirmed with Peter that he is the new king. That's what Peter thinks he told him. You're the new king. You're the literal king. You're going to ride on a horse and go into Jerusalem, set up your kingdom, and I'm going to be a part of it. And instead, Jesus says, I'm going to go and I'm going to die on a cross. And so then when Peter gets up and rebukes Jesus, like, wait a minute, this is a bait and switch. You just told me that you're like the king and now you're saying you're going to go into Jerusalem and you're going to die? That can't be true. And this is the divine part that Jesus is bringing through. You don't understand. See, I'm not just the son of man. I am God in the flesh. And my mission to bring a kingdom on earth is bigger than just swords. It's with spirit. I'm going to go in and change the world from the inside out on a cross and come out of a tomb with resurrection power. And that's going to solve the greatest problem, not just your local problems of the last 50 years. So his whole picture is so much bigger. And so when Peter wrestles with that, Jesus says this, he, turn, he gets up and says to Peter, he said, you're just gonna, I'm gonna build my confession on that, my church on you saying that thing. And now he's going, you can't go and die. And he says this, Jesus turned and said to, him, said to him, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, the divine, but merely human concerns. You want an earthly kingdom. You don't understand that God's kingdom on earth has to start and the pathway is through the cross and out of an empty tomb. Then Jesus said to his disciples and he brings it into full view. He says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. So he starts to bring this whole picture of being a disciple, being a follower of Jesus into focus for the disciples. They have this critical conversation. It's the whole kit and caboodle of who God is, what the kingdom is, who Jesus is, and who we are. All in a conversation after years of being together on a road two days away from where they live, where they can have a conversation and be comfortable. One of the other pieces about this story is that when you were around a Messiah-like figure close to Jerusalem, hostility was literally imminent. 
You could be attacked by the authorities. You could be in trouble because there were different messiahs that would pop up every now and again and act like they were the leader and they would draw attention. So one of the reasons that Jesus draws them to Caesarea Philippi is he's going to talk to them about messiahship. And so what he's doing is he's taking them to a safe place where if they talk about it, it's not going to get out and they're going to learn who he is before he goes and does what he's going to do in Jerusalem. He even tells them in this very passage, don't tell anyone I'm the Messiah because he knows that it will draw hostility. What he's trying to do is take his favorite people on a journey, have a critical conversation and then change the world. And that in a nutshell is a small group. <laughs> That's what we do. We gather together with each other to have conversations, to build relationships in safe places so that we can know God more and know each other more. And so that looks so different depending on the leader and the leaders and the different conversations and people involved. But what we're going to do is we're going to bring out four small group leaders right now and you're going to get to hear from them about what a small group looks like, feels like, does. And I just want to encourage you all to lean in right now. Pay attention. So many of you are in small groups, but some of you are on the kind of the threshold or you're wondering. And I want you to break through the bubble today and get involved. So let's bring out our friends for Let's Talk. How are we doing? Good. Good. These are some of our uh, best and brightest small group leaders. This is Lori Whipple, Brett Fitzer, Julia Ecos, and Evan Ecos, newly married, worship leader. Uh, Brett is a, an old friend. When I first got into ministry, Brett, um, I was a worship leader, and Brett was my drummer. Brett and I, can, we can rock it out, man. Did you forget about that? <laughs> I mean, it wasn't that long ago, man. I mean, but Brett played for a Christian band called Send the Beggar. And then uh, we, he, be, he was my, my drummer for all those years. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm having a nostalgic moment right now. I'm missing it. <laughs> and uh, Lori is like kind of like one of the moms of the staff because Kaylee, her daughter, is our children's director. And she just prays for us and loves us and leads at our church. And you guys, have, you and your husband, Roy, have been involved with the church since the very beginning, right? Yes. Since, yes. since we made you leave that evil other Baptist <laughs> church and come over here. That was, that was a big move. Um, just kidding. Um, so I got these guys up here and, you know, they're going to share very little about kind of their personal story because we want to get right into what's going on. Um, Evan, how you doing, man? Good. I just got to know Evan recently as these two got married and Evan's one of my favorite new people out there. We haven't got to spend High enough praise. time together, yeah. but you're, you're, you're an attorney, right? I am. All right. We're gonna let you go last. Okay. Okay. All right. 
Um, but we're really glad that you guys are here. All of you guys are small group leaders, and you, you lead different ages and different stages of people. And uh, with what I said before everybody came out, uh, talking about Jesus in these, this conversation and having difficult conversations in safe places, I, I shared this with you guys, and I want everyone to know that one of the burdens for me around Let's Talk in this series is that um, I am observing people in our world needing a place to have these types of intense conversations. I was in my neighborhood and I was watching some people interact and I kind of knew like where one of them stood and then where another one stood on a particular issue. And you guys can name the, there's so many issues out there, right? So many things people are struggling with, people are disagreeing upon. And basically there was a glass wall or glass ceiling for the conversation because with a neighbor, if you go there, that could be the end of the relationship. I mean, you could say too much, you could. And I thought, you know, every person really does need a safe place with someone they trust to talk about who Jesus is and talk about how that matters today because people are scared, people are frustrated, people are confused. And man, if you don't have a place where I can go to my small group leader and I can actually have a conversation with the people that I've built trust with over the years, I don't know where else you're going to get that type of conversation because you don't do that on the bowling league. You don't do that at the book club. You don't go there. And one of my heart, you know, heartbeats for small groups at our church is that, uh, like a message I did a couple weeks ago, I want everyone to be in a place where you're allowed to say, you're allowed to share, you're allowed to vent, you're allowed to, you know, have your, your perspective be shared and respected. And then, you know, also we're going to serve truth. We're going to put truth on the table. We're going to say, this is who Jesus is. And everyone's going to wrestle with that no matter where they're coming from. So all that to say, um, I want you guys to go ahead and share. And, and, and I've got some questions that these guys are prepped for, but I want you guys to share with them, whoever can go first, a conversation that maybe was an ongoing conversation or a pivotal conversation or a conversation that took place after, you know, time relationally has been built up with someone, a conversation that was a critical conversation that was like a turning point or an epiphany or a growth step for someone in the small group, as if to say, man, thank goodness this group was here because without this group, that conversation probably wouldn't have happened. So you guys can go fire away anytime. Go well, ahead. I'm Lori and... Roy and I, we co-lead with Ted and Carla Carr, good friends, and we lead a group of couples that are in the same life stage as us, and we kind of like to think of ourselves as the young adult group. <laughs> Not really. They like to think of themselves. <laughs> but I think life-changing conversations happen when we kind of let the wall down and we get real with each other. And I know I'm most transparent when I feel safe. Yeah. And I just feel like... Our small group is that safe place to open up. Um, I would have to say that during the We Can't season, it stands out to me as a lot of life change in our group because mm. our conversations all were built around trust yeah. and trusting God with our treasure, but really trusting God with every part of us. And so I'm going to start with me. I opened up to my group and have numerous times just about the struggles I had and the impact it had on my life when my dad walked out on my mom and I before I was two years old. And I just feel like, you know, when I didn't have a 
trustworthy earthly father that it was really hard for me to trust my heavenly father during that journey of faith. And my small group has just encouraged me through this whole process. And, you know, there are times I want to take that control back. And they remind me, like, Lori, we all go to the cross and we lay our burdens down and we pick them back up and we walk away. And I just think in those moments where we share our struggles and we share our personal victories, life change happens. So we can't was the generosity initiative that our church went on to be able to, to finance this building and continue the mission at 514 Church. And that was a pressure cooker of time for people in conversations because it's where the rubber meets the road, right? Where your, where your treasures are, there your heart is. And so everyone was asking the question, is my heart lined up with God, with my finances? Because it'll all be in the same place. So that's amazing. Even for you, as the leader, you found that that safe place, your, your group became the same safe place for you. That's awesome. That's cool. Uh, I've had similar experiences too to, with you, Lori, like as far as being the leader. But the, there's one conversation that I want to talk about. Um, there was a couple in our group. And so we used to joke because at the end of the group, they would always be the last to leave. You know, how, like there's always somebody that I don't know if we connected any more with these people than we did with the other people in our group. Right. They just stayed later. Linger. Yeah. And so, and they would always leave something behind, right? So we'd get a text message afterwards, and they're like, well, we left, uh, you know, so-and-so's, like, uh, binky or something, you know, whatever. Yeah, right. So, um, so they would use that to come back in? Occasionally, yes. Oh, they would come back to the house. <laughs> but uh, mostly, you know, we're going to get together next time. We'll, you know, we'll, but we would see them outside a small group, too. Well, the, those conversations, just those kind of, like, you know, the joke, the inside joke there led to something much more powerful because years, a couple of years in, uh, his wife was pregnant, had a baby, and then she developed really severe postpartum depression. Mm. So he didn't know what to do at that time. And there was some potentially tragic stuff that you know, was, was about to occur. And so, I mean, I won't go into the details of that, but he called me first. Mm. Like I was the first guy he called, and it's because of those initial conversations that we had the inside jokes about him staying late and whatever. Yeah. And, and they became very close to us. And uh, still to this day, I talk to those people. They live in Japan. Wow. And I was able to take my kids to Okinawa last year for vacation. I mean, how many kids go to Okinawa for summer vacation, right? And all because of those conversations. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So you, you guys developed that time. It, it's kind of after the meeting. Right, you got closer after the meeting, and it made someone feel safe enough to connect with you guys, call you up, and work through the hardest stuff. I think this is so important for everyone to hear, because what these guys are describing, the lack of trust, the, the fear that comes or the, when, when something goes wrong medically or whatever's going on in your world physically, that's going to happen. Like, that's like around the corner, right? Like, that's like everybody's going to go through that or has gone through that. Who do, you, who do you call? Like, it's amazing that you're there for them. That's, that's an incredible story. What about you guys? So my name's Julia, and this is my husband, Evan. Right. We lead a young adult small group um, full of couples and singles, um, and it's a fairly new small group. So I can't say that we've had life-changing conversations that would necessarily compare like that, but I can just speak to, we can speak to 
the trust, I can see the trust being built. I can see the relationships, intentional choices that we make to build those relationships, but natural things occurring and those conversations already starting to develop, people already starting to kind of open up that window into their life even deeper. You know, the deep stuff that you don't want to maybe share with coworkers, colleagues, neighbors. Right. Um, and so it's really cool to, we're, we're watching that happen and develop and, and it's, it's a really beautiful thing. That's great. In addition to that, I think um, we can all speak to the, the time in which we currently still live, right? And our small group actually formed in March, right. uh, which <laughs> has presented different challenges in its own ways. And to have a group of people to come together during this pandemic, during a time in which normalcy is no longer what it used to be, I think has been so impactful and so helpful and kind of has jump-started our, that building of the trust, the building of the group fabric that allows us to kind of deal with some of these more tough uh, issues. And we can see it already. We've already had experiences within our group where people are struggling, dealing with things that you know, are uniquely uh, COVID-19. Yes. And, they're, and they're using this group as an, a way to kind of talk through that. And I think it's been beautiful so far. So we're excited to hopefully continue building that and to allow a safe space for people to you know, dive even deeper when they feel ready. Yeah, I mean, just a short period of time, it's like you guys have been leaders for five years because of the, <laughs> yeah. the months that have consisted of the time you're together. It's one of the most challenging times ever. You guys, uh, virtual group yes. and yeah. live present. How's that? Ex- explain. We, we have online kind of virtual community and you know live community, and we mix and match. Tell a little bit about your guys. So our group officially assembled just before quarantine hit. Um, so our planning shifted from our living room <laughs> to Zoom calls in our living room. Um, so we spent the first three months or so, two yeah. months, I guess, yeah. officially how the season works, all of our meetings were virtual. So we had, hadn't met some of these people in person ever. Um, so that actually as fearful, as, as intimidating maybe as that seems to jump into something new where you can't sit with someone and you know, see their body language and, and hear, hear them speak in person, our, our relationships, it, it didn't hinder. It didn't hinder the development of that and the start of that. And now we're meeting in person in, in parks and backyards and things yeah. where we can see one another. Um, but even though we were virtual, it, I, I don't feel as though it, it set us back at, mm. any, at any point. Right. Yes, you guys have had the opportunity to take all the new data that's been collected over the past four months of the pandemic. It, it, all it's pointing to is we need each other. We need each other in whatever way we can have it. If it's Zoom and then it gets to being in the room, okay, like it, we, we need each other. So people are skeptical, right? Like people, they're nervous about getting in a small group. What are some of the reservations that you've, you've kind of seen be solved? Like you're like, oh, people are afraid. Why are they afraid? And what makes, makes them overcome or makes it worth it getting into a group? Why is it so important? I, I'll go. Uh, so as Joy, uh, Joe, um, Joel pointed out, sorry. Uh, people call me Joe. Yeah, well, I figured. You look like a Joe. But, That's okay. um, no, uh, as Joel pointed out, I'm an attorney, which is you know a continual uh, bad habit of mine. And uh, <laughs> one of my biggest fears, especially about leading a group, being involved with a group, my fear that I think so many other people have, and I feel so pronounced in my profession particularly, is the time commitment, right? Yes. It's, 
Time is one of the few resources we have in our life that is always depleting. You can never get more of it. So it's so precious. And for me in particular, I feel like I work a lot of long hours, weekends, so that time feels even more finite. And I, my biggest fear, especially with joining and being a leader, was I'm, I'm going to lose a night a week. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going yeah. to lose two or three hours. Like, you know, that's huge. That's time I could work out. That's time I could do this or that. And that was my fear, was that commitment. And what I realized after we got into it, and after we had some of these conversations and got to know people and see people for who they are, I realized I was gaining three hours, two hours of something I never had before. Wow, yeah. Gaining, gaining conversation, deep connection, um, being able to talk about Christ, and some of the really tough conversations and yes. challenges that come with that in today's society. Yes. So I, I, if, if your fear is time, it's, I, I promise you, within the first month or two, you will see that that fear will uh, completely evaporate, I think, right. because it does offer so much more. Um, and I'm thankful for that. That's just kind yeah, of my that's personal I love how you said it, you weren't losing three hours, you were gaining three hours. Yeah. You know, the kind of hours that we need investing in, in life and relationship. What else? What are some other reservations that you I guys have? I love that, Evan. I love that. Um, you know, I remember when I was first starting to think about joining a group years ago, I would have these hesitations like, am I going to know enough about Scripture? Right. Am I going to know the answers to questions that come up? And I think that's real. People are really afraid. Yes. They think that a prerequisite for joining a group is like yes. Bible knowledge or mm -hmm. being, you know, smart Christian. Right. I know. And, you know, Ted does a lot of our discussion leading and he's just incredible at taking scripture and making it applicable. And none of us ever feel intimidated. And, you know, it, it's not just about scripture. It's really about relationships. And I think when people come into a group with different faith levels, it is so exciting. It's exciting for me to re-experience what it was like at the beginning of that journey. And the other thing that I've heard a couple people say is, my life is messy. Like, should I even be doing this? And you know what? All of our lives are messy. They are all messy. And yeah. God usually steps in and transforms us or uses it as a testimony. Right, right. Yeah, I love, I love what you said. You, you hit on something. People think that if you're talking about scripture, talking about Jesus, now it becomes spiritual. Like that the content is what makes it spiritual. And we do talk about the scriptures. We teach the scriptures. For those of you that grew up in the church, a small group is the discipleship mechanism for our church. Like that's where you're going to gain and grow as a follower of Christ. But we have a weird thing, I think, in our culture of talking about scripture and it being spiritual. It's like they're mutually exclusive. Like it can't be spiritual if it's just about people. But when Jesus was asked, what's the most important thing in the world in terms of your faith, it was love God and love people. So loving people, getting to know people and having a bond of Christ in the center of that relationship is, is arguably the most spiritual thing that you can do. Having a relationship, you said that. It's scripture, but it's really about relationship. It really is, it's a buzzword in like the late you know, 80s and 90s. It's, 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 it's not religion, 
It's a relationship, a relationship with God, a relationship with others. Uh, you got to have that to grow, which John hit on. What about you, reservations people have? Yeah, so one of our initial reservations was kids. Like, what right. do you do with kids, right? Uh, we, ha- we had young children. Uh, I think when we started our group, so Ella was maybe seven, and my son Owen was, what, Three. So, yeah, I, I'm the young kids. What do we do? So we had, <clears throat> and there's lots of different ways of solving that, but we had like M- Maddie Joseph, if anybody remembers her, she, I don't know if she's, but uh, she came and helped out our group and she would um, just Watch. take the kids into the basement and hang out with them for mm-hmm. an hour while we were just talking. And then, or uh, when she was, couldn't do it anymore, Olivia Sawyer came and she still to this day has a relationship with Ella through boom and and that kind of things I mean, we're th- super thankful for her so as you were saying you gain time we gained r- friendships and relationships yeah. with people and uh, yeah I'll stop there but there, there's no, way more good. I could say so so make a closing argument here like tell everyone each one of you why they should get in a group because you know, we want to be strategic about this. You know, we're setting this in front of you. There's so many reasons not to tell everybody the reason they should get in a group in your own words, because we believe at this church that if you don't come and and worship and you don't get in a small group, you're missing out on really the meat and potatoes of what it means at 514 Church to grow spiritually. So we want everyone to engage in a group. You guys give them your kind of your final pitch on why they should join a group? I'll start. Um, I think that all of us are struggling with a lot of things and we don't always have places to discuss those things, maybe a spouse or a friend, but I feel like those end up being, can sometimes just be sounding boards, Mm -hmm. colleagues, neighbors. Small groups are active uh, machines even you could call it they're active and you're working through these things rather than just throwing out your thoughts and they're sitting there they're moving they're changing they're molding you're moving and changing and molding and growing and so i i I think all of us need that to be a part of that growth machine that's great that's really great okay um you know I think for me, when I think to like what a small group can do, uh, the biggest selling point and the biggest reason you should join, if you've ever walked out of a church service and thought, you know, I want to be a better Christian. I want to be a better believer. If you ever sat driving in the car and said, oh, you know, I I, want to have a deeper faith life. I think this is how you do it. It's, and it's that simple. It's just putting that time in, taking that time that you're, Spending doing whatever else, watching whatever show, Netflix, you know, working out and, and prioritizing it. And I think when you do that, you're going to see yourself grow in ways you never thought imaginable. I, that's what's happened for me. And I'm sure, I, you know, I believe happens for a lot of people. Evan, just to push in on that for a second. What is the biggest way you've grown since you joined a small group? Because I don't, you didn't grow up in a small group church no. deal, right? Right. You went to a different church, right? Growing up, Correct. more mainline church. What, what is the thing? How would you define your, your greatest point of growth? You know, I, I think it's, 
I think you realize um, very quickly that we're all broken in some way or we struggle with something in some way, that we all have these fallibilities that we try to you know, repress or keep inside or to put over makeup on and make it look pretty. And you start realizing that everybody has that, everybody has a, a, a brokenness to them to some extent, and that you can share that and be open and honest and there is a reception of love, of understanding, of, of leadership from others within the group. Yeah. And it, you realize that the problems you're dealing with may be significant, may be insignificant, but they're problems other people are dealing with too. Mm. And that you have a support system that is there to help you. And I think it, it has allowed me to love myself more mm. because seeing that other people love me yeah, for wow. who I am and That's my brokenness, really right? self-compassion, right? To, yeah. to actually say, okay, I can go easy on myself. A lot of us are so hard on ourselves, right? Like we messed up and, and we don't deserve the connection, the whole shame idea. I don't deserve love and belonging. Yeah. And when you realize that everybody feels they don't deserve love and belonging and everybody does deserve love and belonging as much as we do, what a game changer, right? Yeah. That's really powerful. Thanks for sharing that. What other uh, selling point, Brett? Uh, so, I, I mean, all of us are going to go through really hard stuff in our life, right? I mean, it's going to happen. Some of us have lost children. Some of us have lost spouses. I mean, uh, you got a hit on that. I want you to yeah. tell. They don't all yeah. know. So, so my wife died three years ago, and uh, my small group was instrumental in, in helping me through that. I mean, I, I can't. There's no way I can describe what was given to us. And uh, you had asked me a question, actually. And, and when you talk about conversations in small groups, th this question came up in our small group, too. And you had said, so where do you see God in all this? You know? And I'm like, I don't see God in cancer. I don't see God in... Like, I didn't even feel like prayer was being answered you know, at the time. But... When, when I had to, it kind of forced me to think about that. And, and when I was thinking about, you know, like, what is my answer to that? Because if I genuinely believe that God is real and I have a faith in Christ, then there's supposed to be fruit there somewhere, you know, and, and that needs to be transformative. And one of the things, that, the conclusion that I came to, and it's actually a pretty easy conclusion to come to, was that I see God in all the people that surrounded me. I see God in the people that kept my family fed for 10 months. I see God in the people who, who were praying for us, regardless of whether I felt like the prayers were working or not. I see God, and if, if we're made in God's image and the Holy Spirit does dwell within us, then doesn't that make sense that you would see God in people? You know, and, and so that's where I saw it. And, and to this day, uh, I can look through old Facebook posts or whatever of people reaching out to support, and that still moves me to tears because I see all the support that I had. So if there's any reason to get in a small group, it's like to be in relationships with people. Like pe some people don't have a support system. Yeah. I mean, I've talked to several people who say, yeah, I have no friends. Or, and I'm like, how do you not have any friends? Or they, they, their family, you, you know, your family may, maybe doesn't live in town or whatever. Right. And so, and I'm very thankful because I have a lot of friends and, and you know, close friends because I grew up in this area and, and family um, here who's very supportive. But that small group element, you know, when you show up and, and your spouse is sick and there's people there like power washing your deck yeah. and just reaching out to help, it, you know, it's, it's very humbling. So I don't know of any better reason right. you know, to get into a small group than that, to be yeah. connected with people. It, we, when the church started, 
Uh, a lot of churches have like pastoral care ministry where when something bad happens, they have a pastor or two who go to the hospital and, and do all that stuff. And we, and we do those things. Usually if we have to show up, it's worse than the people thought because our system is, our system for care is our small groups. You know, it's one thing to have the pastor show up and pray with you and be present. And that, that's very important. It's very, very important. It's another thing for a bunch of people to feed you, to sit with you, to take care of your kids, to actually support you through something. So when you're talking about having care, like having a church help you with your needs when your needs become, you know, capital needs, that's our, that's our system. Plug into a small group, 10 people that can help you, that will pray for you, that will sit with you. And you, you experience that even as the leader, you were served by your, your group. That's amazing. Yeah, that's what I was talking about when Lori said she was served as a leader. I was talking about that very thing. Yeah, exactly. Okay, that's amazing. It is. It really is. And, you know, I had mentioned earlier, it was just my mom and I growing up, and I just always pictured, like, brothers and sisters sitting at a big table, and I just didn't have that. And mm. God has blessed Roy and I with a family that continues to grow, but my small group is my extended family. And we share all the milestones, you know, we, we share health scares together yeah. and we've watched children get married and we've become grandparents together. Mm -hmm. And we've talked about aging parents and losing parents. So I just feel like those milestones are so much more meaningful when you have a group to share it with. And it's not all serious. We have a good time in our group. We yeah. had a luau. We have game nights. A luau? Yes. And Aloha. we've gone kayaking. You got kayaking? Yes, we go kayaking and we laugh. You laugh a lot. If you've ever heard Karen Salyer laugh, you know what I'm talking about. But anyway, I just think all of that is so important to share life with that, a group like that. That's great. We have, we have about two more minutes. And as with what you said, um, we, we have different generations in this church, you know, grandparents and millennials and, and younger teenagers and early 20s. Julia, I want you to hit on this, and I, I didn't prep you for this, but I want you to give this. Okay. The generation just below you, why do they need to get into a small group? Why, do, why does an, a 19-year-old? I am a teacher of elementary school kids, so I have a, I have a view into, into their lives a bit, not necessarily teenagers, but yeah. um, man, it is hard to be a high school age, college age student right now, middle school age student. That, yeah. that adolescent sort of period is scary. Um, I speak from experience, but we've all seen, you know, how our world has been impacted by social media, um, yeah. how students are affected by anxiety. Our anxiety yeah. levels are higher than ever. And thinking about how lonely it can feel in the midst of anxiety, in the midst or, you know, navigating social media and in and, and the digital marketplace, man, these kids need each other they need someone to look up to and yeah. to guide them to answer their questions and just to love them because yeah. wow it is yeah. I, I think a lot of our teens struggle to feel accepted for who they are yeah right. and not have to be someone that they see to mimic online yeah. or um you know in their in their school settings yeah. so they need they need to be loved on hard and they need each other i think they yeah. need to support they need to feel that they're in it with their peers yeah. um 
And so it, those relationships, at that level, I, I've experienced, I was in, involved in a young life in high school, and I still look up to those leaders and, and, and value what I got to share with my, my peers during that time. That's good. Well, gosh, we could probably sit here and talk all day. Um, give these guys a hand uh, for, for just taking the time. Thank you guys for doing this, for sharing. Um, we really, we really want everyone to experience a small group. We want everyone to experience the relationship that comes from the, the foundation of Christ and building on, on that. And uh, we have virtual groups. We have groups that meet in people's homes to a limited capacity now, a safe capacity. We have all different types of stuff and needs. Like if you're interested in leading a group, we need you. If you're interested in finding one, you can find them on the website. You can go to uh, 514church.com. Uh, backslash join a group um, and just start researching, send us some information. We're going to help you find a group. If you're here and you're like, I'm ready to go, I want to learn now, there's going to be people in the hallway out there who are ready to talk to you about joining a small group. Um, I always find it fascinating that when Jesus decided to kind of change the world, that he called his little band of followers that used to be, you know, fishermen, and he turned them into his followers um, three years of spending real time together, building relationship. And in a world where we're able to connect with people on the other side of the globe, I still think that the most important piece is that relational, real, face-to-face -face ability to connect with people, and that's God's plan. So um, we want everyone to experience that. We have leaders that are training they are learning how to lead discussion. They, we, have, we have leaders who care and, and they know the scriptures enough to lead a discussion and answer some questions. But more importantly, we're training all of them to be great at taking care of each other and taking care of you. And so we all need to be taken care of and we all need a place to take care of someone. So go ahead and take that next step. Email us, check us out online, go talk to someone in the hallway and uh, don't miss out on the opportunity for community at 514 Church. Let me say a prayer for us and then you guys can go, all right? Father, I thank you so much for these four, for their leadership, for their commitment to leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ through small groups. I pray for everybody in the room, everybody watching online, that they would find their place, they'd find their people. They find their people, people who they can go on the journey with, people they can have the tough conversation with, people they can take care of, and people who can take care of them. God, those are the things that I believe you designed this uh, Christian community to have, and we're doing everything we can to, uh, to see that come to reality um, in our small groups. Thank you for everyone here. I pray if anyone's apprehensive, they'd, they'd push through, they'd take a step, they'd ask the question, um, and they'd get connected to our church in this new way. We love you, Jesus. We thank you that we, we have you as the center of everything we do and everything we are. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks, guys. We'll see you next week for Let's Go. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. <laughs>